So God's ideal for all of us is that spiritual family should start at home. Your spiritual family should be your natural biological family first. That should be where it starts. What do I mean by that? The husband and father should be the spiritual head of the home who leads with love and light and wisdom. And he is leading his wife spiritually. He's leading his children spiritually. The wife leads as the helper and nurturer. And the unity between the husband and the wife is very important for the safety of the children, but also the raising and the maturing and the discipleship of the children. Because how many of you know, children don't do what you say, they do what you do. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Can we just give God a praise offering? Thank you, Jesus. We love you. (laughs) You are so good. You are so good. I I know that I don't know all of you that well. And even those that I know, I don't know everything about you. I just have such a strong sense in my spirit right now that God wants you to know that He knows you. And He loves you so much. So much. I know we've been singing that since we were little. Jesus loves me this, I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we're like, eh, yeah. But there's a... There's a weightiness in the spirit right now that I'm feeling that I need to communicate to you. Because maybe there's one of you that don't really believe it, maybe more. You don't really believe that God loves you because look at, you don't really believe God loves you because you're looking at circumstances or stuff that hasn't gone your way. And you equate his love to how good you think it is. I want you to know that that is not the measuring stick. The measuring stick is his son crucified on a cross so that you don't have to spend eternity away from him. That's the measuring stick. And that is done and that is finished and that is true. And that's how you know he loves you. Amen. He loves you. Everybody close their eyes. There's unbelief in the house. Everybody close their eyes. Say out loud, Jesus loves me. Now like you believe it, Jesus loves me. Amen. Okay, it shifted a bit. It's a bit less unbelief in the house. Thank you, Lord. We're busy with a series we're going to finish today called Who Shall Ascend? And it's been a series of going through our faith foundations based on Psalm 24. And today, today we're going to hand, look at two, our last two spiritual fund, uh, faith foundations, which is spiritual family and discipleship with a message called Those Who Walk in Love, Light, and Wisdom. Those Who Walk in Love, Light, and and wisdom. Don't worry, it's not a new age sermon. This is based on scripture. The enemy has stolen some stuff and made it sound weird. But this is from the book, from the word of God. So the reason we're doing this is because the scriptures tell us that these foundations are basic or elementary. And we see this in Hebrews 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That's the goal. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptism, the laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. 
So these should be normal. These should be solid and understood so that we can move on to perfection. What should we see in this? If I don't have this down, I'm not at a place of perfection in my walk with God. How many of you know that it's possible to walk perfectly and holy with God? I had this discussion with our men's group, Sons of God, the other day, and I could tell that for, the, for most people, it's a struggle to believe that holiness is possible. That perfection is possible. Do you think God would, through his apostles and disciples, tell us in his word, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, and then not make it possible? Do you think he's cruel that way? I'm going to dangle this, but it's not reachable. I don't think so. I believe we have not had enough of a revelation of what the Holy Spirit can and want to do through us so that we can live holy and perfect lives. I think that's more possible. But our faith limits us. Because if you don't believe it's possible, you're not even going to try. Not that it's up to you and your strength. I'm, by trying, I mean connect so with the Holy Spirit that He starts leading you to that place. Am I challenging someone? I want to pray this prayer over us from Colossians 1 verse 9 to 12. For this reason we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. I'm asking this in the name of Jesus. That we will all be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we will all work worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. Do you know that you've been qualified? If you are born again, you are qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints of the light. Do you know that? That's who you are. Two of you. That's good. That's a start. I read an article in Joy Magazine yesterday. Some lady doesn't want preachers to keep asking people, are you there? Are you awake? Are you listening? She also doesn't like loud music, and she also doesn't like repetitive lines and songs. So she'll never visit our church. <laughs> The rest of the articles in the joy was great. <laughs> I love you, Javi. All right. Our series anchor scripture, I want to call it, is Psalm 24. Listen to this. The earth is the Lord's and its fullness. And can I get an amen? The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend into the heel of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to idol or sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. Amen. We have talked about the foundations of repentance, turning from our old life to God. And when we are walking with God and we do sin again, to have a repentant approach to God and always repent quickly and come back to God. We've talked about salvation. What does it mean to be born again? We've talked about faith. The subs what is the substance from Hebrews 11.1? 1? It's the word of God. We've spoken about what it means to be obedient and make Jesus Lord of our lives and actually obey Him. We've talked about what it means to be baptized with water, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And now, today, we're going to talk about spiritual family and discipleship. These two foundations go hand in hand, and it basically means local church. 
or it should mean local church, I should rather say. And uh, these, these words come from Ephesians 5, where Paul instructs the church to do three important things. He tells us to walk in love, to walk in the light of God, and to walk in the wisdom of God. We need to walk in the love, the light, and the wisdom of God. What does that mean? I need to get God's definition of love, God's definition of light, and God's definition of wisdom. And then I need to walk in that. Are you with me? So make sure that whatever you think love, light, and wisdom is, is not the world's idea or your idea, but God's idea. We're going to look at Ephesians 4 and 5 and Romans 12. It's going to get very scriptural. The local church, do you know this? The local church is Jesus' plan for mankind. It is the strategy to bring the good news to the whole earth. There is no other plan. It's through the local church. We are privileged to be part of his plan. Amen? How does this, how does this work? Well, Jesus is king. He's the head of the body of the church. And we are the members that make up that body. So he's the king. He's the head. We are the members of the body. All right. Jesus is also called the groom and the church, the bride. How many of you know that when you get married and you become one flesh, it is the most intimate thing you can experience? So when God tells us Jesus is the bridegroom and we as the church is the bride, he's talking about a very beautiful, intimate thing. That is why, once again, if you define marriage by the world standard, you will struggle to understand this. The church is the servant, the body, and the bride. We are the servant, the body, and the bride. Because we have a king, we have a head, and we have a bridegroom. At the end of Ephesians 5, Paul says, he, he talks about, he, he, it seems like he's talking about marriage. And then he tells us, he's actually talking about Christ and the church, but these things apply and then he says something interesting. He says it's a great mystery, this whole thing. And, and that's what's so beautiful. And, what, and the, the Bible is full of mysteries. And when the Bible says mystery, it's not like a CSI episode. You know? It's not like whodunit. It's, it's, a, it's a thing of he wants us to draw near so that he can reveal more and more and more. Because there's layers of everything that he's given us. How many of you have read the same scripture this year, you read it again next year or in a couple of months' time, and you go, whoa, like there's so much more, right? Uh, makes me think of, <laughs> makes me think of uh, Shrek. Ogres are like onions. <laughs> They've got layers. <laughs> it's the same thing. People don't like onions. <laughs> anyway. Let me not go there. I know that movie too well. It's very, it's, uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. So I want you to imagine, just for a moment, try to imagine the whole church globally and recognize that Jesus is the head of the global church. It's made up of hundreds of thousands, probably even millions of local churches, and they all look different depending on which, you know, almost a demonization, denomination, and country that you're in. They all look different. And then each local church is, is made up of individual people, right? So global church, Jesus is getting global church, church pockets everywhere, some big, some small. But every church is made up of individuals, members of the body, Okay. And the ultimate reason for the church's existence, what is that? It's to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Then now you're in the church, now what? You need to grow. You need to mature in Christ. You need to get these foundations solid in your own life. And then you need to grow and mature to a place of perfection and holiness. That's also what the church is for. All right? So... Would you agree that individuals 
normally come from a family. Would you agree that families are the nucleus of society and of the local church? Now, each family, the way that God's ideal works, this is important, the way that God wants this to be is that the family is the cornerstone of society. And the marriage of the, in the family is the cornerstone of the family. And the, the man, the husband, is the head of the home with his equally important helper, the wife. And that's how it works. That's God's plan. So we have Jesus, church, marriages, families, individuals. All right? You'll see why I'm talking about it this way, so we can all understand our place. Now, what should a life-giving local church be? What is the point of a church? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How many of you have been in churches, you were sitting there going, why am I here? (laughs) And even why is this church here? Have you ever... I'm not here to church bash, not at all. Um, we should never do that. But I'm sure we've had experiences where we've gone, have these people read the Bible? Anyway, I'm not going to leave it there. But what should a local life-giving church be? The best definition that I've ever heard, and you can tell me if you agree, is that a life-giving church should be a place where lost people get saved, which is evangelism. Where saved people get healed, they are pastored, they go for inner healing, they get healed from their past hurts. Lies are replaced with truths. Amen? They get healed. Those healed people now go on to a discovery of who they are in Christ and what their calling is in the body of Christ. This is also pastoral, apostolic, prophetic. Those uh, people can help them get there. And then those who now know what their calling is can step out in that calling. Whether it's in the local church where they serve or they get planted out or whatever it might be. Or they just know that, listen, I'm called for business or I'm called for this area, the sphere of the society. This is my local church from where I'm strengthened and I'm helped so that I can be effective where God has called me. Do we understand that? So a local church should get lost people saved, saved people healed, healed people people discover their callings, and those people should then be sent. All right? The way we say it here, you hear it every week, we are here to help people encounter God. Why? Because if you are unsaved and you encounter God, you'll get saved. If you're already saved and you've drifted and you encounter God, you will run back to the Father. You will align with these purposes for your life, a life of holiness and perfection. And you will reign in life if you do the first two. Reigning in life is from Paul in in Romans. He says that we are actually called to reign in this life. And that's R-E-I-G-N. Not R-A-I-N. We need to reign. What does that mean? It means to have authority. It means to rule. It means to have dominion. What did Satan take from Adam in the garden? Dominion over this world. In Christ, we can have it back, and we can wield it. But you will never get there if you are not saved, getting mature in God, and have dealt with your wounds from the past. You'll always be held back in some way. And then once you're in that place, but all along the way, we help others to do the same. You don't have to get to the reigning part before you help people. The moment you're saved, you can start helping people. That's across the board, we do that. Amen? All right, just an interesting side note. If we go encounter a line rain, it spells ear. And if we put the help at the beginning with the H, it's called hear. So if you have an ear, you should hear the word of God. Amen? And live it out. So the local church is your spiritual family. This place that is life-giving should be your spiritual family where you commit as a member and get involved. When you are part of this family, an important dimension of the connection is discipleship. So the two foundations, remember, spiritual family, discipleship. If you are part of the family, there should be an aspect of discipleship. What does it mean to be discipled? We get the word discipline. 
from the same root word. Amen? It's to follow and learn and apply. Follow, learn, apply. Your spiritual family should ideally, and this is again, this is what I believe is God's ideal for us. So I'm going to first paint the ideal picture, and then I'm going to deal with, I know there are challenges in life, all right? So God's ideal for all of us is that spiritual family should start at home. Your spiritual family should be your natural biological family first. That should be where it starts. What do I mean by that? The husband and father should be the spiritual head of the home who leads with love and light and wisdom. And he is he's leading his wife spiritually. He's leading his children spiritually. That is how we should be um, structured. Then alongside the husband, the wife leads as the helper and nurturer. And the unity between the husband and the wife is very important for the safety of the children, but also the raising and the maturing and the discipleship of the children. Because how many of you know, children don't do what you say, they do what you do. So when you do marriage well, when you have a safe home, when you have basic disciplines in your home, your children will fall in line most of the time. As parents, we co-disciple our children and we co-disciple with our local leaders in church. So in an ideal situation, I'm, I'm here and the fivefold and the other leaders are here to help and equip you to be a better spiritual leader at home. But we also help that by coming to church, by coming to kids' church, we also speak into your life and we speak into your child's life. It's a team effort. Can we see that ideal of God, that spiritual family starts at home, but then this, it forms part of this, and together we grow. Amen? But obviously we know that that ideal is not everybody's story because we live in a broken world where the enemy is rifely taking families out. Have you noticed, have you noticed that he's trying to take families out? I believe that because he was in heaven for a while, he knows God's plans. And if his mandate is to kill, steal, and destroy, and God's plan is to have marriage, family, local church, what do you think he will do? He'll try and destroy family because they form the church. How do you destroy family? You go for the cornerstone of the family, which is marriage. Who's the head of the marriage? The man. So who will you go for? Can you see it? That's the strategy of the enemy. Take the men out, take the marriage out, hurt the wife, hurt the children. If they don't get healed, if they don't come to church, if they don't get their life sorted out, the cycle continues. And that's the broken world we see today. Can you see it? Now, what do we do? What do we do if we're sitting in a position where we are a broken family or a blended family or things have not exactly gone the way that God wanted it to go? Well, it starts with repentance, coming into right standing with God, going for healing. It's never too late. God is in the game. It's in the business of reconciliation and redemption. Amen? So that's the good news. But I know from experience that even when we do that, there's a whole wake of damage and hurt and stuff that always seems to be you know, dragged along, and the enemy loves to remind you of all your mistakes. Amen? shouldn't say amen, but it, it, it happens. So that's why it's so important, especially if you have walked a tough road or there are challenges to be part of a local church that is life-giving and not life-sucking. <laughs> it's very important. Okay. So I, if, if you feel and you're in a situation where oh, I'm alone, I'm struggling on my own, this is not working. If you're in a, in a marriage where it seems like you're bumping heads all the time, um, where you're not each other's biggest cheerleaders, where there's a constant reference back to hurt from the past, mistakes from the past, 
patterns from the past and you're like, but I've dealt with this. And I, I mean, I know we all sit to this stuff. I want to do a call on each and every one of us today. If there is conflict, if there is constant frustration, if there is constant fighting, you must know it's not from God. Does a godly home have an atmosphere that's generally unhealthy, unhappy, and broken? No. How do we change that? The most important one is the husband, the father, in his quiet time before God, humbling himself, saying, Lord, help me to lead this marriage. Help me to lead this home. No matter what the baggage is that you sit with, God is greater. How great is our God? We've sung it this morning. If we believe it, then we know that even though this seems impossible, my God can do all things. Amen? Secondly, the wife, the mother. Equally important that you humble yourself before God. Equally important that you spend time with God. He has the main role, yes, but you have a supporting, very important role. And I can tell you from my experience, when there's unity between a man and wife, that unity is normally based on the fact that they both are spending time with God. Because when you have a heavenly perspective over your wife and your marriage, when you have a heavenly perspective over your husband and your marriage, you will, you will approach each other completely differently. And if you understand that you are the first stop of spiritual family for each other and for your children, you will live a different life. Amen? Because why? Love? Uh, because why? I sound like a real Afrikaner. What's the reason for that? Because love, God's brand of love, is sacrificial, serving, and unconditional. There is no conditions attached to it. But what do we do? No, but you said, and you did, and no, 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 and this, and look at what you did, and how you did that. I'm attaching conditions to my love. No, I do love you. I just, I'm fighting with you, and I'm taking you out, and I'm doing all these things. That's not love. Don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. It's not love. Love is sacrificial. It lays down. Love is serving. Despite how I feel, I will serve. Love is unconditional. I'm not attaching conditions to how I love you. Amen? And I don't want one spouse bumping the other one going, that's you. No. It's both of you. Both of you need to work on this. Come on, people. We need to create this because it's based on the Bible and it's what God is calling us into. All right. So when we have this and when we, when we understand spiritual family, we have to see the working of discipleship within this atmosphere. And let us go to 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. This is Paul instructing Timothy on discipleship. He says, and the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. So I, Paul, have taught you, Timothy. So Paul is discipling Timothy. He says you need to commit these truths to other men. That is, would be his peers and people he is leading. And then he must do it in such a way that they can instruct others also. So we see four layers of discipleship. Can you see that? All right. So that is how it should look. So we should always be wanting to submit and learn from someone, always be willing to share what we have learned with peers and those who may be younger or younger in the spirits and teach them in such a way that they can teach others. That's our fourth value. Help others do the same. Do the same what? Encounter a line rain. That is our discipleship. Did you know that? Where does this happen the most? Connect groups. One-on-one -on -one coffee. 
That's how it happens. All right. Now we're going to get into the word. That was a nice introduction. We are called to live and walk in love, light, and wisdom. And I want to show you that there are seven things that the local church should always be doing. So I'm going to take those values and make it a bit more practical and direct in seven points. Are you ready? Love God, love people. Always up front. Because that's the two most important commands. Amen? Always evangelize. We don't stop. We don't only evangelize when we have an evangelist that comes and speaks. We are always in evangelism mode. Amen? We always teach the word of God. We will divide the word of God rightly. We always pass to the flock and the people. We always train up leaders. We always pursue and establish and maintain unity. This is a very important one. I'm going to get back to that. And seventh, we want to reach and impact our local community. This is how we should do it. And how do we do this? Practically through Sunday services, connect groups, through fellowship, and one-on-one discipleship. All right. Why? Why do we have to do this? I'm going to show you from Ephesians 4. We're going to read a lot of scripture. Are you ready? Ephesians 4 from verse 1. We're going to read 1 to 7 and then verse 11 to 16. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. That's quite a title. Who are you? I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I've been taken captive. I belong to him. I beseech you. This is a passionate statement. Listen up. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, which is a fancy word for patience, bearing with one another in love. I'm going to keep reminding you, this starts at home. This starts at home. This starts in marriage, in parenting. Bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the... Endeavoring to keep the... Of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This starts at home. This starts at home. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us was grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You have a gift for the local body. 11. And he himself gave some to be, this, these are the gifts that Christ has given to the church. He's given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? Why do we have the fivefold? The equipping of the saints for the work of? Are you a saint? You have work? (laughs) Work of? Ah, Now you've read it. Now you know it. Now you can't go away from it. For what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. There's a timing on this. What is it? Till. So the fivefold needs to equip the saints of, for, with the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ for a certain time, for a certain period. What is that period? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Who's the Son of God? He is our aim. He is holy. He is pure. He is perfect. He is to be a perfect man. This is the reason why we do this. So we can all be perfect to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a point to the local church that is beyond what we have been thinking and doing for centuries. We are not a club that gets together for fun only. We can change the world. The body of Christ has changed the world. 
Those 12 men and the 120 that got baptized changed the world. And it's still, we still see the effect of that. But over the centuries, we've lost focus and we've lost what this is supposed to be. If you have been going to church your whole life and you are exactly where you were when you started, you are either in a life-sucking church or you are not born again or you are comfortable and not willing to grow and be obedient to the Word of God. Where do you fall? Because you have been called to be a perfect man, lined up with the measure of the stature of Christ. We are called to be holy. We are called to be perfect. Why would God say, do this and it's impossible? Do you see him going there? <laughs> Let them, let's see if they uh, try and do this. No, because that's not love. And he is love. Amen? But it's not finished. Why should we grow to this place of being perfect? That we should no longer be children. Another way of saying it, immature. In Christ, we should be mature. We should no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. When will that happen? It will happen when we are not in spiritual family, being discipled and spending time with God. We will be open to deceitful doctrine and we will fall for anything if we don't stand for something. The word of God is so good, guys. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. You are a joint and you have something to supply, a gift that God has given you and no one else. This starts at home. But it also comes into the local church. What is your gift and how are you bringing it so that you can be, through knitting, being knit together with the local church, you supply this according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And this causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Oh. Imagine... Imagine your, when, when your car breaks and you go to them and they say, oh, there's this one little thing that doesn't work. It's not doing its job properly. And that one little thing that doesn't do its job properly messes up your whole car. That's what the church is like if not every part is doing its share. We're going to go, why are we not moving forward? Why are we not seeing more results? Why are we not seeing more people come to Christ? Why are we not growing faster? Why is it not changing the world? One of the reasons maybe is that we have joints that are not supplying what they're supposed to supply. I know. I know. Ephesians 5 from verse 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God. As dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Ach, light in the Lord, sorry. Light in the Lord. Now, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit and all its goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. What is acceptable to Him. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. No fellowship with the unfruitfulness and works of darkness. Oh. But rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest in the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walk with wisdom. Walk with love. Walk with light. Walk with wisdom. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise 
But understand what the will of God is. What does it mean to be wise? I understand the will of God. And do not be drunk with wine. Capetonians, Wineland people, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How many of you guys have come to church and it was like a musical? Hello, the Lord loves you. Welcome to church. Imagine that. We, we literally do this. We speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But imagine that vibe. It could be awesome. I'm going to try that next week. Look at Romans 12. We've heard this recently because I preached on this as well. But you can never hear this enough. But listen now to this in the context of spiritual family and discipleship. Once again, Paul is using this word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Something that's alive but dead. What does that look like? I died to self. I'm risen in Christ. And now daily I choose to die to self. That's how I'm a living sacrifice. Holy. There's that word again that we don't want to hear. Because if I think it's possible, if I believe it's possible, then I have to like raise my game. I know you're uncomfortable with this thought. I know. I can feel it. No, Heinz, you know, you can't be holy. I mean, I'm just human. No, you're not. The biggest lie the world believes, you and I grew up with this. I guess not a means. Tot jy wedergebore word, ja. When you are born again, you are dead to your old self. You cannot say I'm just a human being. You are actually supernatural man. With a little badge on your chest. Goes, hmm, all things are possible. <laughs> Through Christ who gives me strength. What is this thing where we're like, oh, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a man, I'm not a What the flip? Stop your nonsense. Can you, can you see that Paul has given us a bar that's there? And for some reason, the average Christian is plutting around here. I'm not a man. Stop it. And here's where discipleship starts. The next time someone in your connect group or in your life says, I'm just a, a mix, my net a means. And give hulle a heilige geest klap and you say, nee. Jy is supernatural man. For the English speaking people online, I don't know if I can re- <laughs> translate all of that. But guys, I know I'm making jokes, but the, the truth is the truth. And you are either going to go through life accepting that uh, I'll never get there. And then you live from there. Or you're going to go, man, it's possible because God says so. So I'm going to wake up, stand up. And from the power that the Holy Spirit gives me, from the fire, the heavenly fire that the Holy Spirit has given me. And the fact that the Bible says this is possible, I'm going to live that way. And I'm going to handle my challenges, my marriage, my family with that in mind. It is possible. This, guys, we've just spoken about faith a couple of weeks ago. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is substance. He says it's possible to live holy, to be the perfect stature, that to the measure of the stature of Christ, we can live that. Okay, so it's possible. That is substance. I'm going to put my faith in that substance and I'm going to walk it out because I can hope now to live that way. Last night at Revive, Harvey said something that broke my heart as well. He said he was at a Christian golf day. There were Christians and non-Christians. And as he was looking over the room, he could see no difference. No difference. But isn't that the state we're in? Isn't that the state we're in? What are we going to do about it? 
point fingers, judge, or go, hmm, how should I change? I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Okay. Man, I'm never going to get through this message, but it's okay. I'm going to do what I can. The scripture is so powerful. Okay. I'm going to pick it up at four I say. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. All right. What is he saying? You are not better than, but you're also not less than. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. There's a proper way of thinking of yourself. Don't go below that because that is... Also not good, but don't go above that. What does it mean? Wife, when you look at your husband, don't look down on him. Husband, when you look at your children, father, don't look down on them. See them for who they are, God's children first. When you look at the people in the church around you, are you going to skin it about them, gossip about them? Are you going to build them up? Are you going to see yourself as someone who serves or someone who should be served? I've been here longer than you have. You should make me coffee. How are we looking at ourselves and looking at others? For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, as many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. There is unity in diversity. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. What is a gift given by God if not used? Use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it for in our ministering. One who teaches is teaching. He who exhausts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who so- shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. I love you, I love you. Don't be hypocrites. Love for real with the love of God. That's what he's saying. Abhor what is evil. Gossip is one of the worst things that breaks unity and causes division. And it's listed as one of the sins that if you practice this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And don't hide your gossip behind prayers. I think we should just pray that this one will really change the way that... Don't do that. We are better than that. We will love well. Amen? Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's our benevolence fund. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Now, I need to be very clear. When someone doesn't like you or is nasty to you, you are not being persecuted. You're being attacked and it's difficult. But persecution is when you are persecuted for what you believe in. Okay? Our brothers in Muslim nations, they are persecuted. You're not persecuted when someone said something nasty about you. Can we just clear that up? All right, that's another kind of problem. But we, not, we will not speak about each other that way anyway, so it's fine. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. All right, so Paul is saying in many different ways, walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. How many of you can tell me what kind of word walk is if we talk grammar? It's a... A verb. What is a verb? A doenwoord, yeah. The doen is a doenwoord. Oh, my word. The worst one I had was once. <laughs> it's, it's shocking to me how young people are screwing up Afrikaans. It's so bad. I feel so iPad. Yeah, there's a iPad. 
Sulke is meer fout. Flip. Sien, hulle weer het nie eers nie. But the worst one of the doen doen, ach man, ek doen hou daarvan, that is not Afrikaans guys. That's taking English and forcing it into Afrikaans. I do love it. That was a better manier, jylle. But this one time I was on a flight, and this is not going to work in English, I'm sorry. One time I was on a flight, and I went to the bathroom on the flight, and I couldn't close the door properly. There was something wrong with the, the lock mechanism. So after I was done, I just told the stewardess, Woody, um, hierdie ding werk hier lekker nie. So she said, dit doen werk. Dit doen werk. It took me everything in my being to not laugh at her. And just go. Eerstens, dit doen werk nie. Maar die manier jy praat, werk ook nie. Anyway, sorry. Completely went on the wrong track there. Walk is a do word. It's action. Walk in love. You cannot love passively. You cannot be in the light passively. And you cannot walk in wisdom passively. Amen? There should be fruit of love. Fruit of light. Fruit of wisdom in your life. Amen? Come on. So, how does this look? We look at love. If we truly love God and we love our spouses, our children, our church family, our friends and our neighbors, if we truly have the love of God flowing through us, there will be an urgency in us to see lost people saved, saved people healed, and healed people discover their callings and see that they walk in them. There will be an urgency from that love. We would passionately pursue spreading the good news and helping people to encounter God so they can align with His purposes in order to reign in life. And true love, God's way, also means that we sacrificially lay our lives down to serve and to to be humble and to pursue the unity of our brothers in Christ. That's what love looks like in the church. What does light look like? The call to walk in light is a call to not entertain sin. To recognize darkness for what it is and to expose it. Remember that awkward moment we had in 1 Corinthians where Paul said, if some, that guy should be taken out because he's sleeping with his dad's wife. Because they were just letting it happen. Now, people say, don't judge me. <laughs> The Bible is very clear. In the same 1 Corinthians, Paul teaches, yes, don't judge the world. He means don't judge unbelievers because they don't know any better. But he says, if someone in the church is constantly messing up and sinning, you must go to them and you must shine a light on what's happening. Not out of judgment, I'm better than you. Remember, we have to keep all the teaching in mind. So I'm not thinking of myself more highly than I ought to. But because I love God and I love this unity in our church, I have to call out the stuff that can break the unity. Amen? All right. It links with love in the way that if you love someone and you see sin in their lives or darkness pulling them in, you will reach out and bring the light of Jesus into their lives. If you really love someone you will shine the light of the truth of God. It's confirmed by 1 John 7, which is we should walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and have no fellowship with darkness. I was reminded um, this week as I was preparing of that song by DC Talk. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh Lord, be my light. And be my salvation, because all I want is to be in the light. Amen? That's where we want to be. Wisdom. What is it to walk in wisdom? It means to understand and to know the will of God. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Study the scriptures. Spend time with him. He wants you to know what it is. John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, because friends can know what the master's plans are. 
if you are born again and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a friend of Jesus. And you can know the will of God. So if these scriptures says we can, then we can. We can know it's possible and it's something we need to pursue. What is that? The will of God, which is true wisdom. It is confirmed in James 1. In James 1 it says, If anyone wants wisdom, let them ask from God who will give wisdom without reproach, without holding back. Then there's a comma. But let him not doubt. For one who doubts will, cannot expect to receive anything from God. See, we like to stop reading there. If you want wisdom, ask it. God will give it. Whoo, yeah. Get it. But if you come to him doubting that he will, you should not expect to receive it. I'm not saying that to be a downer. It should excite you. Because it means I need to come with more faith. And say, okay, God, you, God, you said it's possible. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to let the enemy take this from me. Amen? And then lastly, wisdom helps us to walk in the way of God and to also give wise counsel. When we walk in the wisdom of God, we can share the wisdom of God, teach and preach the word of God in an accurate way and help people to transform and not to conform. Amen? That's what we all should be as ministers of the word. All right. Leadership should embody and lead in these ways and raise up more leaders that help to reach more leaders. If we are truly a church where discipleship takes place, all of us should take hold of this principle to walk in love light and wisdom and we need to not keep it for ourselves we need to share it we need to walk it out because that's how we teach the best way for our children especially is to by actually doing it but then we also need to teach them and teach others our local church should be a place where all people whether unsaved or walking in their calling or anywhere in between feel loved and experience the light of God and learn the wisdom of God that's what our church should be how many of you experienced that here? Just you. Wow, okay. Apparently, I have some work to do. But seriously, do you guys experience that? God's love, His light and wisdom? Okay, great. And that's what should make us a spiritual family, um, is, is that unity of this being our goal. So today, as I preach this, I'm not preaching this just as a message. It's also a mission statement. For our church it's also for us to go how are we going to be that church how are we going to make it happen it's not all up to me god called me to plant but we all grow together and are the church amen and god has put each and every one of you here he has a very specific reason why he called you each and every one of you to be part of this local church and i'm so excited to see how many of you have already grown in your giftings and that you are supplying the joint that you are. you supplying what God has given you to supply. And I'm excited to see how that will keep growing. And I also want to see more of you do the same. Amen. So let's keep on being people who turn the tide of fatherlessness and be a real house of transformation for individuals that transforms marriages and families. Why? Because healthy families build a healthy nation. That is what God has called us to be. A place that focuses on godly marriage, godly families. And that's not saying it's not a place for young people. Not at all. Actually, if you want to have a great marriage, start now. If you are single and young and you are waiting for the right one, let God prepare you to be the right one for someone else. Amen? I'm going to repeat this. The local church, this local church, is God's plan for the world. We form part of the greater body of Christ that is working in the world to change the world for Jesus. But we have a role, and each and every one of you have a role. But to do this, it will cost us. It will cost sacrifice, service, humility. And we all need to be in the same mind And out of this love for God and love for people, we need to come with a heart that says, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a part of this? Every week we give an opportunity for an offer to serve in all the fields that we have in this church. Every every week we say, hey, you can contribute to this and contribute to that. Um, And we have varied responses. 
And it's not about that. It's not about, you know, I never want to be the guy that makes you feel manipulated to do something. Not at all. But I do want to be the guy that puts up the word of God and says, this is the standard. This is what God wants for us as a local church. Let it sink in, meditate on it, get the conviction and the revelation, and then come with humility and a willingness to be part of what God is doing. That is what I ask. Amen? Because that's part of my job. And do you know why I, I ask that? It's not so we can have more helpers and I can do less. It's so that you can grow into the mature Christian that God wants you to be. Because when you come and you help and you, you sweep a, a floor or you pack a chair or you help with a cable or you are part of this team, there's something that happens on the inside. Your spirit is growing and maturing. And God sees good and faithful servant. I've put you in charge of little. I'm going to now put you in charge of much. Amen. That's what God wants for all of us. So let us remember to walk in love, light, and wisdom of God. Let us love God, love people. Let us always evangelize. Let us always teach the word of God. Let us pastor the flock and the people. Let us train up leaders. Let us pursue and establish and maintain unity. And let us impact our community through our services, our connect groups, and our fellowship and our discipling. Let us stand in the presence of our God. And let us reflect and respond to these truths of the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we humbly come before you in this moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, sometimes your word comes and it, oh, it makes us feel convicted. It makes us feel, how can I ever do that, be that, reach that point? But Lord, because you say it's possible, we know it is. And Lord, we saw last week again in your word, Jesus, you said, I will send the helper to remind you, to remember you, to teach you, to strengthen you. You will receive power and fire to do what you've been called to do. So Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we know and we believe that it's possible to be that local church where people feel loved, but also grow and where they become saved and healed and delivered and, and grow to a place of this perfect, holy, spiritual maturity that you've called us. Lord, we want to be that church. We want to be that church. I pray now, Holy Spirit, right now, that you will come and that you will be the united, uniting power between all of us. Your word says that we should be united in your spirit. So Holy Spirit, come and unite us. Those who are not here today, but that are part of this family, them as well. Just bring your Holy Spirit uniting power in this space and in this church. We want to unite around the truth that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God that you are the Christ that was crucified for our sins, that through you we can have everlasting life, that in you we are new creations. We have the mind of Christ. We are the head and not the tail. We are made for a time such as this, and you have called us to rule and reign with you in this life. Lord, we believe that. We stand on that truth. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every person that you've placed here that is supplying something as a joint of this local church. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will speak to each one and show them what their gift or gifts are and bring an encouragement to step out, to take action and actually walk in love, walk in light walk in wisdom that you've called us to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm sure this word has cut to the heart like a two-edged sword that God's word is. Let us close our eyes and just come humbly before Jesus. And I want you just in your own words, take a moment 
and just say, Lord, you're, I repent of saying I'm just a human. I will always mess up. I will always sin. I repent of thinking holiness is impossible. I repent that perfection in you is impossible. And if, if, you, if you know or remember that you've in any way caused disunity by what you've said or done in this church or in your family, just take a moment and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I sowed discord. I'm sorry that I brought disunity in my marriage, in my family, even in this church. Lord, put a guard in front of my mouth to only speak life, to only speak wholeness, to only speak encouragement, to be edification to the church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just bringing your conviction, but also your forgiveness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God's Word says, he is, if you repent, He is faithful to forgive, so know that you are forgiven. And Jesus says to all of us, now go and sin no more. Let's choose today to say, Lord, I choose to walk in your love, to walk in your light, and to walk in your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's give our God a praise offering. Let's thank Him for His goodness, His grace, and His mercy. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.